You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Her Money is supported by Fidelity Investments. Together, we're here to empower, educate, and encourage women to start talking about money. Discover more at fidelity.com slash it's time. Her Money comes to you through PRX. Hey, it's Jean Chatsky, and welcome to Her Money. If you've been listening to this show for any length of time, you know that we are big fans of Rent the Runway, and Kelly and I both have been subscribers to their Unlimited program, and I I think we first thought about doing this because we had Joanna Coles on the show. Yes, we had Joanna Coles on the show in a very early episode, and she came in just exploding with the information about how her assistant and other young women in her office had gone unlimited and it revolutionized their wardrobe. And Kelly is decked out today in some $2,000 dress that she got with her $139 monthly subscription. She looks fantastic. I mean, Kelly, if you've ever seen her, looks fantastic in everything, but we're big fans, which is why we are so excited that fresh off maternity leave, Jennifer Hyman, co-founder, chief executive officer of Rent the Runway, is here with us in the studio today. And let me just tell everybody, Rent the Runway, for those of you who don't know, has been the disruptor in the $1.7 trillion fashion industry by offering women clothing rentals for just about every occasion. And they started with clothing that you might need to go out on a fabulous date or to a wedding, but have really expanded into everyday wear. The company's been around since 2009. It's raised $190 million in venture capital. They've got 6 million members. Welcome, and thank you for doing this so quickly after coming back to work. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be back. We're excited to have you. So tell us about the baby. Uh, Well, the baby is the light of my life. Her name's Aurora, and it's been amazing to become a mom. And, you know, it's interesting because at Rent the Runway, our team is 70% women. So it's not unusual for dozens of women to be pregnant at the same time and have kids at the same time. And so I've gotten to see so many of my closest friends and colleagues become moms and to become a mom myself as a CEO and be supported by the entire organization has just been so wonderful. It's pretty amazing. And I have to say that I have two kids. And when I became a mom, I felt this sizable shift in the way my head wrapped around work. It, it was a very weird dynamic, but I felt like becoming a mom actually made me 10 times more efficient. I can definitely see that happening because, you know, there's a finite time where you can see your child per day. So I don't have time to waste and I want to make sure that I'm home by six o'clock so I at least get that hour of bath time, book, bedtime, that special kind of mommy and me time. You experienced another big change this year when your co-founder bowed out of the company. 
Tell me a little bit about how that experience has gone for you, and how will your role change as your company heads toward its IPO? Well, Jenny and I had worked together for the past eight and a half years. We have become very close in working together, and from the beginning of the company, I've always been the CEO, kind of running the. People operations of the company, the vision and strategy, fundraising for us, and Jenny's had a variety of roles over time. But her sweet spot and where her passion always was was in that early stages, in the first few years, where things are chaotic and everyone is wearing multiple hats. And you know, as two co-founders, you have to have continuous feedback and continuous honest conversations. And there was just a point where. You know, I actually brought up to Jenny. You know, have you thought about the fact that you were happiest when the company was smallest and when you were creating something at the beginning? And I think it's very, very natural for her to go into a role where she's able to start something again. Whereas with me, the vision and the mission was always about rent the runway. Was always about transforming. The retail and fashion space, and I see myself being part of Rent the Runway for many decades. Take us back to the beginning. What happened in your life and in Jenny's life that was the spark for this? So the story that launched Rent the Runway was an experience I had with my younger sister, where she. Was twenty five. She had been invited to a wedding, and she went to a department store and bought a designer dress, and it put her into credit card debt. And as her more responsible older sister, I was nagging her and really trying to get her to wear something she already owned.、Mm-hmm. And her response to me in late two thousand eight was that she didn't want to wear something in her closet because she had been photographed and everything in her closet, and the photographs were up on Facebook because at the time Instagram didn't exist. Yep. And it was a light bulb moment for me that she was talking about the experience of wearing something, of walking into a room, feeling self confident. She didn't care about the owning of the asset of the dress, and. Really thought about how, in every aspect of our lives, we as young millennials, as Generation Z, were feeling more comfortable with accessing or with renting in so many different categories, as it relates to entertainment with Netflix or with Spotify or music subscriptions. I mean, in the past seven or eight years, we've also started having subscriptions to fitness via ClassPass or to food via Blue Apron. So it was only natural to me that a portion of what we wear should be comprised of things we don't have to own forever. And I started thinking about the space of getting dressed of your closet. And what was really interesting to me is I felt that it was the only space in your life that had seen zero innovation. Over the past hundred years, so as it related to let's say transportation, yes, Uber started seven or eight years ago. But prior to Uber, there was taxis,、mm-hmm. Zipcar, planes, trains, Avis, Hertz. There's a lot of different ways that you could have gotten from point A to point B. If you wanted to wear a coat. Prior to rent the runway, you either had to buy that coat and marry it and have it in the rest of your life forever, or you didn't get to wear the coat. There's two options, and I wanted to really just break it down and give the consumer more choice. What I was thinking about actually was the fact that for very wealthy women, 
it kind of was an option because. They are the ones. If you go to Greenwich, Connecticut, if you go to Madison Avenue, that's where you see the consignment shops,、mm-hmm. and that's where wealthier women who had keyed into this idea that they didn't want to wear the same dress to the benefit had sort of said, "Okay, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to wear it. I'm going to sell it, and then I'm going to do it again." It was a normalized behavior amongst wealthy women and celebrities, because celebrities are renting the runway every day. Right, they're getting. Pieces on loan from designers, samples on loan, and they're wearing them for a finite period of time and then returning them. Now, what was interesting at the beginning of the business, as I started to do research, was I found out that the behavior of renting the runway actually existed in two main ways in the mass market, and that convinced me that we should pursue the idea. The first way it existed was that return rates to department stores of dresses were over fifty percent, and the return rates were happening with the tags on. Yeah. So people had been renting the runway illegally, wearing a, an <laughs> outfit for New Year's, and then coming in on January second and returning the outfit. And it's a big problem for physical retail. Well, and that's why the retailers now have those big, ugly sensors on the garments, so you really can't get away with it in many cases. Yes, but a lot of people still do get away with it. And the second thing that I saw was the real winner in the retail and fashion space over the last thirty years has been fast fashion.、Mm-hmm. So companies like TJ Maxx, H and M, Zara, Forever Twenty One—they've really changed how people think about their closets and consumption. And to me, H and M is an example of the biggest rental company in the world, because anytime you walk into a store and you buy a shirt for nineteen ninety nine, knowing that shirt will disintegrate in the washing machine after you wear it two or three times, you know that's effectively a rental.、Mm-hmm. I think the genius of fast fashion is they've convinced a global population to be comfortable with disposable clothing. Well, you did some research into this. Right. I mean, let's talk about the economics of the average closet. We know the average American buys sixty-four items of clothing every single year, but you guys figured out that most things are worn three times or less. Fifty percent of the closet is worn three times or less. So we're getting very low utility out of the items that we're purchasing. And the fact that we buy sixty-four new articles of clothing every year, agnostic of income, is really unbelievable if you think about it, because it's not correlated to rationality. Obviously, because at a certain point, if you were rational, you would stop buying things because、right. you already own jeans, you already own a white button-down blouse. But this is basically saying we want constant newness, we want constant variety, and a lot of these things we don't really wear. And that percentage of items that are utilized three times or less has been going up over the last five or ten years as we've become more comfortable with fast fashion. And what are we doing with those sixty-four items? We are either keeping them in our closets, which is becoming very problematic as more Americans are staying in cities longer, as the country becomes more urban. So now, sixty percent of Americans live in cities, and it's expected that seventy percent will live in cities by twenty thirty. Right. We actually lack the physical space. We don't have the garage to put the old stuff that you don't wear. So it has birthed a whole industry around resale of 
fashion. And there's some great companies that have emerged in that space that friends of mine have created. And I think that the new closet, the closet of the future, is one where everyone is going to have a subscription to getting dressed, where a portion of what you wear every single day is going to be on rotation, and it's going to be affordable and frictionless for you to do that via our unlimited subscription. You will resell, and you'll buy things too. But you'll the things you buy, because you now have the option of renting these clothes, you're going to make smarter decisions about what you buy. You'll probably buy things as investments. You'll buy the black pants that you know that you're going to wear for 10 years. You'll buy the bag. You'll buy the bag. bag. You'll buy the shoes that you'll wear over and over again. So we're really trying to transition the mentality, not into not shopping, but into shopping smarter. So let's break that down a little bit for people. But before we go there, let me just remind everybody that conversations like this one come to you from Fidelity Investments. Fidelity is focused on helping women like all of us take charge of our financial lives. And that goes from investing your money to spending it to considering whether you should maybe not spend it and do something like renting instead. So Visit fidelity.com slash it's time. You'll find more conversations like this one with Jen Hyman. You'll find information about how to manage your money during life's biggest events, most challenging times. And that goes whether you're getting married, getting divorced, having a new baby, as Jen has just done. And again, that is fidelity.com slash it's time. We are here and happy to be with Jen Hyman, CEO and founder of Rent the Runway. So... From where we are right now, as you look at women and how we allocate our money towards our wardrobes, I mean, what do you advise people to do in terms of using our disposable income wisely? First, it's before making any purchase, whether that purchase is one-click purchase on Amazon or whether it is at a physical store, you need to ask yourself whether you are going to be using that article of clothing in a year, whether or not you're going to use that article of clothing more than three times. If the answer to either of those questions is no, you have to rent that article of clothing. It makes no sense to buy it and keep it around. So much of this spending is, as you said, one click. It's impulse, and it's difficult at times to keep your emotions in check, particularly when you're shopping for an event. Any thoughts about how to understand if something is truly a long-term purchase or if you're just telling yourself a story that you want to believe? Well, first, you should probably assess your own closet and your own behaviors. So if you do have a closet filled with dead dresses right now that you've only worn once or twice, it's probably the case that that behavior will continue. It also tends to be the case when it relates to apparel that people get more utility out of basic colors. So people wear black and navy and beige and white a lot more than they wear canary yellow or than they wear hot pink. So one easy thing is related to renting prints, renting colors, renting trends. You know, there are things that make a lot of sense to wear because you want to have newness, you want variety, you want to feel in style, you want to express a new part of your personality. But that doesn't have to be a lifelong commitment. And your point around, well, we're not there yet, we're not at the closet in the cloud 
yet, where you can really just pull down whatever you want to wear at whatever point in time. I think the key to getting us there is a frictionless delivery experience. And one of the things we've done at Rent the Runway to try to increase the satisfaction around the delivery experience is opening up retail stores in different cities around the country, because we're thinking about those retail stores as hubs of distribution, so that if you want to swap items from your subscription and get new things today, you would be able to go on your phone, access the inventory that's in the store, and have that inventory couriered to you in your office. So that if you were sitting in Brentwood, you wouldn't have to wait two days until we shipped it out of our warehouse in New Jersey. How many stores do you have around the country at this point? Currently, we have six stores in the six biggest metros, and we're continuing to open new stores. I mean, I found the stores, and I had an unlimited subscription for a while, and then I gave it up for a little while, and I I will probably do it again. But I um I found it really helpful because I was able to go and try things on and figure out what sizes I was so that when I actually ordered things through my subscription, I wasn't wasting picks. Definitely. And there's a lot of fun innovations that we're bringing to bear in September for the Unlimited program to make it even better. I want to turn a corner and I want to talk about raising money for your own business. I mean, you've raised, as I said, almost $200 million in venture capital funding. What was that experience like? Well, it's been a wonderful experience. I feel very privileged that I have raised $190 million and have brought the company to profitability so that we're in control of our financial destiny. It's been an unbelievably difficult experience to have achieved that as a female founder. And secondarily, where my end consumer of Rent the Runway are 6 million women So it's a double strike against me in that I'm both a female CEO and female founder, and I'm serving a female population. Now, why is it a problem to raise money when you're serving a female population? It's that venture capitalists who are 99% male Mm -hmm. like to invest in things that they know and understand and that where they believe they can add value. So a lot of times they hear about Rent the Runway, they hear me preach that women want constant newness and constant variety in their wardrobes and the closet is going into the cloud. And I'm preaching to a room of 10 guys wearing khakis and blue button-down shirts that wear the same uniform every day. And they just don't get it. And they don't get the emotional connection that women have with clothing and how it makes women feel confident. So there are a lot of women-led startups that are in the space of catering to women in various ways. Mm -hmm. What did you say that got them to pay attention? And what would you tell other founders to enable them to go into these meetings and, and score? I think that I had a vision for a multi-billion dollar business. I was not starting a business in 2009 that was about renting dresses for special occasions. I was starting a revolution in how people got dressed. And I had that vision for the $50 billion company at the very beginning, and I was confident enough to express that vision. And I understood the pathway of how to get from zero to that $50 billion company. And by the way, we're like, we're nowhere near that $50 billion company today. And that's what's so exciting, that we're on a new chapter of Rent the Runway and there's so much opportunity ahead of us. So having a massive vision, I think, is number one. Number two is really 
understanding the market, understanding all of the trends happening in the market, and how that affects the data. So really understanding the data. They're assuming that you're not as good with numbers, that you're not as financially astute. So therefore, you have to be 5x more knowledgeable about your customer, about your finances, about the data. And the other tactic that we would take at the beginning was to show as opposed to tell. So inviting investors to come and experience a pop-up shop, experience Mm -hmm. what women were feeling when they were renting, to have them talk to our customers, to have them talk to designers. Because when people are saying unbelievable things about your service, it speaks more highly than me communicating, oh, people love Rent the Runway. Now, at the very beginning, it's much more difficult to raise your seed round or your Series A than it is after that, because after that, you're just raising on the economics of the business. You're raising on your growth. You're raising on your vision. You're raising on the team that you've been able to put together. So the early rounds are really when women get trapped. Normally, it's slightly easier for women to get like a very small seed round. Maybe they get a round from angels, but then it's very difficult for them to get that series A, the $15 million that you really need to start proof of concept and, and build a minimum viable product. You mentioned September is a month where you're going to be bringing some exciting changes to the unlimited program. Can you give us a peek? I can't tell you what we're doing, but I can say that Unlimited is really meant to replace 50% of shopping habits. And it's meant to be a subscription service that women use every day, meaning they can use it for work, they can use it for nights out, they can use it for events, for weekends, etc. And we have learned that in order for that vision to actually be true, you need lots of items at home. In order for it to replace shopping, when women want tons of variety, we need to give you a lot of products per month. So, and make sure that swapping products is so quick and so seamless so that you can maximize the value out of the program. How about a coupon code for Her Money listeners? Of course. Of course. We will, we will. We'll give Her Money listeners their first month free. Excellent. That's amazing. And thank you for that. I wanted to tell you a story as we wrap this up because I think it, um, I just think it should make you feel good. My daughter is 20 years old. She runs the philanthropy committee at her sorority at Syracuse. And every year they have what they call a red dress party. It's all around the American Heart Association's red dress campaign and awareness of heart disease in women. And, um, And so I went last year for the first time, and this was a group of women and their daughters, 50% of which, including my daughter and I, by the way, I would say had rented the runway. That's incredible. Because who wants to buy a red dress when you know that you're never going to wear it again? And I would just say the same for why buy anything if you know you're only going to use it once? In the world of digital goods, songs, books, movies, you have the option of watching a movie on pay-per-view or on Netflix, watching it once and never having to own it again. And the real big vision for Rent the Runway is why can't that exist in the physical world? 
the customer should be in control for how long you need something for. Maybe you need your ski gear for three months in the winter and then you don't use it for the rest of the year. Maybe you want a red dress just for one night. But you should be in control as the customer of every single item that you have, how long you need it for. Jen Hyman, thank you so much for doing this today. Congratulations on Aurora. Thank you so much. And welcome to the world of motherhood. I am so happy to be here in the world of motherhood. I've been waiting my whole life. (laughs) We'll be right back. That was fun. So much fun. Kelly's geeking out a little bit. I am. Well, I'm wearing a Rent the Runway dress right now, as you said at the start of the show, and she's totally revolutionized my closet. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's pretty incredible. I'm going to start my subscription back up again. And I love that she is giving her money listeners their first month free. Yes. First month free for the first hundred listeners who sign up with this code that she just gave me as she was walking out the door. It's all one word. It's her money unlimited 17. That's the number one seven. Again, it's her money unlimited 17. It's only valid until the end of August, the end of this month. Thank you, Jennifer Hyman. So nice. And it's just for Her Money listeners. There you go. Okay, what do we have? Our first question is an email from Emily. She writes, I'm a big fan of your podcast. Since listening, I have started a Roth, an HSA, and now I'm working on a budget to pay off debt. I'm about $295,000 in debt. I have a master's of physician assistant degree, so this is mostly student loan debt, and I have about $7,500 left in credit card debt. I'm currently trying to put away $250 a month for savings. Should I try to put this to paying off debt instead? The difference would be paying it off in 10 months versus 15. I would say no. I would say go ahead and build that emergency cushion as a preventative measure to keep you out of more debt. But that close to $300,000 in student debt is a little bit worrisome. I mean, I mean, it sounds like you've got a handle on your payments, but if you have not looked at options for refinancing those loans, maybe lowering your interest rates and paying them off quicker because you are able to pay them off less expensively, I would absolutely do that as well. And um, you can look at both SoFi and Common Bond as options for refinancing your student loans. Great. Thank you, Emily. Our next question is from Elizabeth. Which app do you recommend for tracking monthly budgets? I've been creating a monthly budget in Excel, but if I want to track those grocery and eating out expenses more closely for a month, what do you recommend? I like Level Money. Level Money is, I think, my favorite of all of these. I mean, there are a lot of them. Mint is very good. You Need a Budget is very good. But I sort of like the way Level Money looks and operates. So I would send you there. And I would also say, if you're not on Ibotta.com, I-B-O-T-T-A, you may be able to get some money back that you're spending on those groceries. So you want to look at that as well. I will say with Mint, Mint does a good job of telling me when I spend more than I'm usually spending on Mm -hmm. food per month, but you have to do it a few months so that they can track how much your average is and then you get a good gauge. But yeah, I will say they um, unfortunately, but fortunately remind you. Yeah, no. And and I think 
you may want to try a couple different ones and see which one fits you best. Yep. They're free. So mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah. And our last question this week comes from Mike. I'm a 64-year-old still working, and I was thinking about taking some money out of my 401k and putting it in an annuity I've had for many years with a fixed rate of 4.5%. What do you think? So a 4.5 fixed rate of return is a really good fixed rate of return right now. There are a lot of people who would just jump at the chance to get that kind of guarantee. And so I like the idea of that. But before you make the decision based on the return alone, I want you to look at what's the job of that money. And so when I think of using annuities in retirement, I like the idea of using an annuity to cover my fixed expenses so that you know that you've got enough every single month to pay your bills, to cover the things that you know that you are budgeting for. The other money, though, should be invested for growth. And so the question that I've got is, all right, what what is the job of this money? Is the job of this portion of your 401k to really just guarantee your lifestyle? Or is this money that you really should be using to make sure that you not just keep up with inflation, but also grab some growth along the way? If you've already got enough in that annuity to cover those fixed costs, then I may leave the money in the 401k and opt for taking a little more risk with the opportunity to grab a little more growth. But that's an equation that you're going to have to work out on your own. There's also the consideration that although very slowly we are starting to see interest rates go up and there is the potential that you would be able to grab an even greater return by annuitizing down the road. And that's why for people who are looking at buying an immediate annuity as they enter retirement these days, my advice is do not annuitize it all at once because you will get a lower return than you would by doing it in chunks along the way. Great. Thank you, Jean. And thank you, Mike, and everyone for your questions. Thank you guys so much. Um, on to today's Thrive segment. We've got some new research that shows that a Roth 401k may actually help people save more for retirement than a regular 401k by accident. And here's the deal. A recent study from Harvard Business School looked at companies that had a Roth 401k in addition to the traditional 401k option in their benefits menus. The upside of a Roth 401k, just like a Roth IRA, is that it allows people to pay taxes up front with no taxes owed when you pull the money out in retirement. The downside is that you don't get a tax deduction at the time that you make your contribution. So the surprising result here is that Being taxed today or down the road doesn't really seem to change the amount that people are saving, but going with the Roth can mean significantly more money in your pocket later on. John Bashirs, who is a behavioral economist and the study's lead author, gave an example to the Wall Street Journal, and it was pretty clear, so I thought I would just share it with all of you. If you were to save $1,000 
$5,000 a year in a 401k that earns 5% every year for 40 years, you'd retire with more than $600,000. But if it's in a Roth 401k, every penny of that 600000 is yours. If it's in a traditional one, you owe income taxes on the balance. And at a 20% tax rate, that comes out to $480,000. So that's a $120,000 difference. Here's a note. If you don't have a 401k at all, but you opted for a Roth IRA instead of a traditional one, this research pretty much means more money is likely to be in your pocket down the road as well. The question is, is a Roth better? For all of you listeners, and as with most personal finance questions, the answer is, it depends. If you expect your income tax rate to be higher in retirement than it is today, then the Roth 401k will save you money on taxes down the road. If you expect your tax rate to be lower, a traditional 401k is the way to go. If you're on the fence, one smart move is just to split your contributions between the two accounts. In other words, diversify from a tax perspective, just like you're diversifying from an investment perspective. Thanks so much for joining me today on Her Money. Thanks to Jen Hyman for a terrific conversation. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our show. Leave us a review. We want to know what you think. We also want to thank our sponsor, Fidelity. Our music is provided by Track Tribe. Our show comes to you through PRX. And join us next week when we're going to have a conversation with, wait for it, Gloria Steinem, as well as financial powerhouse Stacey Tisdale. We'll talk soon.